Jesus is very. <laughs> it's just because his is silver and mine is. Don't don't move your microphone from the sound engineer. Don't move the mic. I swear. I didn't need to. Yeah. This is. Go for it, magic. Okay, let's go. It's so okay. Oh, we're already recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point. That's okay. my point. So, really? so give it a shot. Okay. Yes. I'm going to stop laughing. <laughs> this is what I'm talking this is a good about. Way to We're middle-aged <laughs> people. It takes three yeah. middle-aged people to get this thing going. Welcome to the Recombobulator Lab with Jason Gramnai and Chris Dominic. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jason. Ever heard of a triple threat? Sure. Like a baller who can pass, shoot, and dribble? Or a rugby player who can catch, pass, and kick? Or that annoying guy at the party who can sing, dance, and be vulnerable? Sure, whatever. Anyway, Meal Pass is the lab's newest sponsor, and they are a serious triple threat. So it can sing and dance and be vulnerable? Boy, no. Meal Pass elegantly solves the three most serious problems facing America today. Our singing and dancing deficiencies. <laughs> oh, my God. No. No, enough. No singing, no dancing. What I'm talking about is a company that can help feed America's 50 million food insecure citizens, put money into the pockets of the country's 1 million restaurants who are trying to recover from the pandemic and reduce food waste. Whoa, tell me more. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Meal Pass is a technology platform developed here in Australia. It gives restaurants a platform to list any end of day meals they'd otherwise throw away. Those in need access a code from a charity food partner. They fire up the app, choose a meal from a restaurant in their area and go and collect it. In doing so, the restaurant Restaurant qualifies for lucrative but hard to access tax deductions and they reduce their food waste. That really is a triple threat. Providing money to restaurants, offering food to the hungry, and reducing GHG by reducing food waste. That's right. In a three-month pilot, mid-pandemic here in Australia, 500 restaurants signed up, including 7-Eleven and Subway. 55,000 meals were served and 100,000 pounds of landfill-bound food waste was rescued. That's phenomenal. Am I right? Yeah. So, when I'm not being a scintillating podcast host with you, I'm helping Mill Pass launch in the US. We've onboarded our first restaurants and served our first meals to those in need. It's so exciting to see it launch. How can our listeners learn more or help? They can head to millpass.org to learn more. They can also help us by introducing us to any restaurants in their area that would want to sign up and start earning tax deductions. We're also looking to build our team. So if anyone would like to join us on our mission, we have really cool sales roles on offer. It's a really simple sell. Trust me. That's a way better triple threat than my singing dancing one. I'm not even sure that was ever in question. Question. Mill pass, radical generosity done profitably. Time and time again, we see that the women who are most likely to die from pregnancy or childbirth related complications are black women. They're an American. They are, there's not even a correlation to education or socioeconomics. Honestly, a educated black woman has a higher chance of dying than an uneducated white woman. And that simply, you know, it doesn't even beg the question because the, the question has been answered. There is a lot of evidence, a lot of testimony to say that black people are treated differently in our in our institutions. Yeah. And because of yeah. that, or they're not listened to, or they're considered, they're thought that they have different tolerances of pain. I mean, there, I mean, this is really, really archaic concepts. Yeah. 
at play oh, here. Oh, I mean, you know, it's horrible to say. I mean, it's it's, it's shameful. Look, Christy, if, what's the ideal? What is it? Typically, those annoying Scandinavian countries that win all these bloody things is those? Is that true? So, who is the best? The places where there's like the happiness scale is very high, also. Yeah, uh, right. They're tall, they're blonde. Uh, the boys will like this. Finland <laughs> is, I think, the top. Um, of course. Sweden's quite high. Yeah, the, the sort of Nordic, yeah. you know, yeah. and yes, I would say when you look at the, the countries that have, that are doing better, they do have universal health care. They do have yeah. midwifery integrated into the health system. Mm. They do have home births and home visiting nurses that come in to check on mom and baby before, during, and after. Like they just have, I think, a better, a better way of approaching birth, I would say, a sort of more holistic approach. And also, I think, a deeper respect, perhaps, of women and the role of motherhood. Darn those Nords with all their happiness. They do a lot of noir movies and TV. There's a lot of Nordic <laughs> noir on Netflix. That always worries me. There's some deep undercurrent of bleakness up there. If, but... if you're that happy, you're not going to make more happy <laughs> movies. You need to bring it down. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, I hadn't thought about that. You know, <laughs> maybe, they're more, maybe they're more in, they're closer in touch with their shadow side. Oh, there we go. We could do another episode. <laughs> oh, I like this. We're going to get letters from, I know. from, 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 from tall blonde people. I, thought, I feel like there's a, there's enough that, that's working in various pockets around the world. It's not to say that one place is best and that we all should subscribe. It's really a matter of sharing best practices yeah. and learning from each other. Mm. I mean, I think I, when I think of Australia, I, I immediately think of, you know, the Aboriginal population, yeah. the Native American population here in the United States. Mm. It's also very high at risk and right behind African-American women in terms of, of poor outcomes. And when you think about, again, historical marginalization, and then also just where people live and where their what their water sources are, what their food sources are, there's like these very sort of deep rooted causes that are impacting yeah. people at various other stages of their life. It's interesting. My mum's an OBGYN. So this is all close to us. And Kim and I had to home birth, water birth, which was an interesting conversation. Um, <laughs> given that my, actually both my parents are Western doctors and they're like, you know, my dad is like boiling water and filling up the baby bathtub in the living room in our place in Bondi going, I've not done this since medical school in 1956. I hope this works, <laughs> which is crazy. But um, so we definitely took a different route. But and, and we do have socialized medicine here and it does feel pretty good. But then it's so weird that we have a, a C-section rate, elective C-section of 30% plus, And I don't understand oh. it's like this notion of too posh to push and maybe it's selfish gynecologists who want to get out in the golf links so they prefer to have the thing scheduled but it is so strange i think that's a thing selfish gynecologist <laughs> is that's that's that is that. you've got to get the golf your golf your golf game isn't going to improve on its own it's interesting because I, I i hear about that in other countries and i know i know here part of what i started to speak about in terms of our insurance system and the way that that doctors have come to need to schedule their time and the way that honestly it's kind of thankless work be a doctor today in america and they do they are sort of forced into, into practicing defensively and mm. being terrified and that's not a good place for a doctor to be in or any provider mm. to be in um but it's so it's just so 
sort of speaks to the, the extremism that I think exists in pretty much every aspect of our lives, no matter where we are, right? It's like you either want absolutely no contact with the medical establishment, mm -hmm. or you're there scheduling your C-section. You know, it's like there's not a lot of middle <sighs> ground. And I, I think, you know, just going through it the way I did, where I wanted an unmedicated birth, and I sought out a birth center, but within the hospital was sort of like, can we find more middle ground? And can we have even options in the middle ground space? Because there's so much of that space, like, there should mm -hmm. just be a lot more options. And, you know, safety is important. We want people to feel safe. But you also have to feel that you're capable and that you are, you know, that you can prepare yourself and you can do more than sometimes people make us think that we can do. And again, it's not, there's a whole thing about having a badge, right? Like if you deliver naturally, that that means oh, that yeah. you're yeah. hero and it makes other yeah. women feel bad. Yeah. No, it's, it's you really have to do what's right for you. But it's yeah. important to think that your reason for not trying, it shouldn't be, I can't do this. My body yeah. wasn't. My body, mm -hmm. my body isn't shaped that way or my body, I, my hips are too small or my pelvis is too, mm -hmm. it's like, no, we're actually, we're designed pretty yeah. perfectly, I would say as a species. Yeah, that's fascinating. Can I just go, you know, we live, work from Australia from 10,000 miles away. We've seen the new administration in the US and it seems, are they offering su more supportive policies? Do you feel like May 2021, you're like, okay, we're on a better track now? On our issue, 100%. I feel so, so okay. confident in the leadership, the buy-in, the understanding that this is an important issue. Like we've heard it from the very top. Kamala Harris has already, she was already as a senator leading legislation on this topic. And so she's very informed. She led a, a meeting in the White House for the first time, I think that that ever has happened on this topic um, wow. around Mother's Day. So that's wonderful. There are some other things that I'm a little frustrated with, but that's just in, <laughs> in light of what's happening right now with uh, Palestine and Israel. So complicated, complicated. Yeah. Hard to ignore yeah. that right now. That's, um, that's tough mm -hmm. stuff. We have this thing on our show. We like to ask people to debunk myths. If they have one out there, they just want to drop out of the, the sky and say, you know what? In my experience, this thing that people think is true isn't really all that true or vice versa. In any realm of your life, yeah. marathoning, maternal health care, that sort of... Yeah, I, I, I can't help but think about maternal health care, but I feel like we've talked about a lot of the things that already have debunked. Mm -hmm. But my sure. if my normal sort of, or my instinct would go to say that, you know, this idea that the United States being a place where we have so much wealth, that this is a place where everyone has access to quality and respectful care. Mm -hmm. That would be, and that mm -hmm. myth... Isn't it? I, I had a hard time accepting the idea that with all the progress we've made in so many places, certainly technologically, all you have to do is look around. And in 10 years, you know, America is a different place every 10 years these days. But it's interesting how in medicine and in this particular element of medicine, it, it's going down. And it just seems like your organization is doing a ton to bring awareness to the fact because I, if you're not doing it, I don't know how many people are. I was surprised to not find a lot of other things in the space. Now, I might be wrong about that because I'm kind of new to the subject, but I don't know. It seems like you're actually doing quite a bit to build awareness. I think the way we're doing it maybe is is unique. We are we mm, are definitely okay. unique in that we're one of the very few organizations that puts mothers at the center. Just even our name, Every Mother Counts. There are a lot of organizations and NGOs around the world who have this as one of the things that they are focused on, but not with that idea of putting mother at the center. And I would say, you know, by the way that we use storytelling through our film, advocating through the advocacy 
policy work and then the investing in community-based programs and leaders. Really, I mean, the people who run the organizations mm-hmm. are the powerhouses and that kind of is kind of what sets them apart for us. I think that right. sort of that approach is unique. It's our it's our sort of, uh, I hate using um, like, you know, trendy language, but it's our special sauce, if you like. <laughs> Here we go. Um, go, Christine. Everybody's got to have that. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say, you know, it's also that we understand how important partnership is. Hmm. And it is part of the sustainable yeah. development goals um, that you alluded to from our website before. I don't follow them very specifically because we were a little bit more central to the goals, the Millennium Development Goals, when they were first oh, established. Yeah. And now there's more goals oh, and it's okay. harder to identify which is which. But it's still important because it's a framework that the globe is, it has a common framework, right? And I think it's really important to move the needle when there is such a framework. But really for us to take it mm-hmm. to a more personal place, to know that we're not going to do this on our own. We're not going to become some ginormous institution that will be around to the end of time. Um, we have, I think, a very specific role to play to advance this issue as far as we can. And there's mm. still a lot yeah. more to do. Um, so I don't see us closing shop anytime very soon. But when I started this work, I really did hope that by the time my daughter was of an age where she was thinking about the role, it, did she want to become a mom or not? That by that time, that this this was a tragedy that was the rare event that most of us think it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Oh, yeah. how do you fund your work? Who who um is it is it. Yeah, how do you fund your work? How do you? How do you I mean, largely individuals, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's sort of like that kind of grassrootsy thing where it's like individuals who are contributing or, you know, we talked about the running before. So through, you know, our running program, which really we participate in races all over the world, but people can sort of sponsor a runner or, you know, fundraise and sort of share what they're working towards. We also do a fair amount of partnerships with small, medium, and even some large uh, corporations on this. So we get some funding there as well. And then some institutional foundations. But I would say it's really the individuals that have sort of grown the most. And I think are the really the place where I, I feel like this work is being led. Even the companies that we partner with oftentimes are led by individuals who are individually committed to this issue and then also find a way for their businesses to be a part of it too. So we do a lot of like employee engagement, a lot of, you know, talks and again, using the films and bringing together panels and having some of our grantee partners talk about their work on the front lines, like a lot of ways to just bring the work closer to individuals. Oh, that's awesome. That's very cool. Where would people go to be a part of this or or support it or get involved or whatever? Um, definitely our website, everymothercounts.org is the best place to learn um, a lot more about the individual grantee partners around the world, as well as the events that we have going on. I mean, of course, in this last year and a bit, we've done everything virtually, but we've actually become pretty creative in that. I mean, we've all had to, right? We've had to be. And and so we just recently did a lot of campaign activations around Mother's Day. And we actually have for the rest of this month, the global fitness challenge that we kicked off in here. Um, and yay, Jason's a part of it. I'm um, trying. <laughs> <laughs> on right. World Health Day, um, April 7th, but it actually really kicked off on the 1st of May. And we have it going all the way through what we call Mother's Month. Um, and Mother's Month also happens to be Mental Health Awareness Month. So mm-hmm. we felt like it was a great opportunity through fitness and meditation and whatever it might be that people can sign up, pledge hours or a goal 
um, towards this issue. We just felt like it kind of brought all the pieces together there that have been important um, around our building of community and also a way for us to take care of ourselves, you know, be in community with a small group or a team. Um, so many of us have had people around us that have really gotten us through a, a really difficult time. And again, another connection to what's required really on our issue with maternal health, you know, like mm. we really need to, you know, circle our loved ones and the people who are going through mm. this this important role and um, and be a team for them. And so the Global Fitness Challenge is we have, I think, um, over 800 or so participants, which is a pretty big number. That's for cool. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And so we're going to drive all of those individuals, hopefully, towards the New York City Marathon. <laughs> Game on. That's uh, awesome. Or other marathons. Oh, yes. that's fun. Yes, yes. We have had uh, other people on the podcast who live in New York, and we've always asked them how things are going. And as the months have gone on, it's we get different reports as things are changing. And I know that I'm not the only one who is rooting for New York to come back strong because uh, it's a it's it's been a rough go for the last year or so. I'm New sure. York is actually feeling so good right now. Um, so I just came out oh, to California good. two days ago, but before leaving, like we just got our like really great great spring weather and everyone is out when the weather mm. changes, right? Like mm. we come to these like brutal winters and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is why I live here and I choose to live here. Also, a lot of the New York COVID related rules and guidelines have shifted. And so at the moment, people are walking around without their masks, mm. if they're outdoors and all of our restaurants set up those restaurants who have survived this brutal time. They're out there and there are people coming out to support them. And it mm. feels amazing. Like I walked across the, from the East Village to the West Village a week ago and walked through Washington Square Park. And it honestly felt like the summer of 69. There's <laughs> music and tango dancing. Not that any of us would know that because we're so young. And people in there, right? <laughs> well, of course we weren't born yet. No, I was. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, woo, ragers. Um, honestly, yeah. there were there were people in their cap and gowns, and I went to NYU for undergrad, and so I graduated uh, when they used to do the graduation in that park. But there were people taking pictures in their uh, cap and gowns. I mean, it really was very, very, very heartening. And mm -hmm. so, don't worry about New York. New York will always be New York. I think it's 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 a place where we're ready to welcome others back into. That is fantastic. That's great to hear. That is really great to hear. This we've had this podcast for seven or eight months and as Chris said like early on you're speaking to our guests from New York and I was like oh man this is hard going but it sounds great that you're swinging into summer and it's going to be fantastic yeah. and yeah, yeah. Right. Good timing with all the the mm. vaccines and and all that. That's 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 great. Although you're a little behind on that, aren't you? Australia, uh, Jason. We have a big problem. So we have contained COVID to 900 <laughs> deaths, which is amazing. But the problem is, and Taiwan's yes. done the same. And the problem with both countries is none of us, neither country is sitting. We're all sitting here going, we don't really need the vaccine. America and Britain had a rough early go. You've now both gone hard on the vaccine, and you're opening up. Taiwan's just exploded mm -hmm. in like a third or fourth wave. And so in Australia, it is a very strange situation. And we're the only country in the world where you can't actually leave. Like I was thinking, oh, maybe I can zip over to New York for that marathon. It's like, I, I, I'm not allowed to leave unless I have a compelling reason. And the only really compelling reason is maybe if you've got to move to somewhere to study, you can't come back. You've got to stay overseas for three months. And when you come back, it's two, two weeks quarantine at $3,000 right. a pop. So it's a very strange Gosh. reality. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it is unique. And a few of my friends that went back when New York was, mm. was a 
at the center. I mean, they were so lucky to have that option. And, you know, I think many of us would have loved to come with. Um, but then, I mean, and these are the things that who would have known, even my friends left for Canada. Um, mm. It seemed like such a promising option. And then mm. obviously with the rollout has been pretty disastrous. So, mm. I mean, I'm hoping that things can change quickly. Things were not so smooth for us either until February yeah. and things started no. to speed up. And so I do think that there's still time and a chance for, you know, policies to change, but it's true. You know, you'd think that, can we just, can we deal this with that, deal with this issue without having to close our, our, our borders yeah. entirely? Yeah, no, we, we feel a long way from civilization down here, <laughs> 10,000 miles away. So not to beat it to death, Jason, but do you guys have anything in the near future where you're going to roll out the vaccine? Or it's rolling out. Um, it's just that the 30% of Australians, according to this morning's paper, said they won't get the vaccine because they're either worried about side effects or they don't really need it because there's not many cases down here. And it's like, okay, that's... Oh, well, it sounds like America. <laughs> it's terrible. It's amazing. So You guys can't escape we're, some of the same stuff we've got groups. going on here. I'm going to go to a major league baseball game on Friday here. Um, at yes. first they said, um, you know, to bring proof of vaccination. Sure, I've got it, I'm ready. Um, and then they wrote and said, oh no, they've changed the policy on Friday, it won't be required. I mean, baseball is an outdoor mm. sport. So maybe that's yeah. the reasoning. And I, I have gone to an NBA basketball game in the last month in New York City and you know it's 10% um, capacity moment in the garden so with a lot of protocols and you know rapid testing and all that kind of stuff it's felt perfectly safe your, mm. your space inside but that's indoors i guess it's the outdoor versus indoor and now that things are starting to become you know a little bit uh lighter i think it's just a i think it's just a slippery slope i think it's mm. it's confusing for a lot of us i mean i'm still walking around in new york's city even though they've said you don't have to with my mask if i'm yeah. walking in the street i still feel like I don't know. I don't know what anybody else is doing. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm in the habit of it at this point. Yeah. I feel like there's no yeah. negative to not yeah. have it. It, it. It's hard not to try and be respectful first. And then once you realize, oh, okay, this isn't, I'm not really messing with anybody anymore. It's easy to take it off. But what, just out of curiosity, who are you going to say? Oh, um, the Giants and the Dodgers. <laughs> he might live in Portland, but his heart's in San Francisco. <laughs> Lifelong Giants fan, baby. Well, this has been such a cool conversation. So we've covered everything. We've covered the giants. We've covered a pandemic. We've covered maternal health. We've it's covered true. a thin fin exchange. We've covered marathon running. We've covered what it would feel like to have a baby at 50. I'm glad I covered that. I really wanted to cover that with you. It's been a lovely conversation. Thank you. It's been so it much really fun. has. It was great talking. Thanks, guys. We wish you the very, very best in all of yeah. your endeavors. And hopefully we can get together in person sometime in the future and I can get embarrassing stories about Jason mm. out of Yeah. <laughs> 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 or we can just make some. It'll be fun. Thanks, everyone. I'm leaving. No. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Christine. You so much. Have Bye. a great day. Be well. Thank you. Bye. See ya. That was amazing. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, you know, learning what we have about Christy and her organization is just, it's its, it's inspiring. I can I just say, though, it's a little strange to me that she found such a massive void yeah. in public policy yeah. or whatever. The fact that she even needed to create this organization strikes me as a bit of an oversight on whatever. <laughs>
Well, it, it, I mean, one thing, some of the stuff we see on these episodes, it's kind of hidden in plain sight, right? Like a lot of yeah. having children is, it happens a lot. And so suddenly when you realize there's this, mm. you know, in the US, it's, it's ranked 51 in maternal outcomes. It's like, whoa. And then I think the other thing, as you said, it's like the fact that she needed to actually go and do this, create the awareness, drive change in a, in the most sophisticated modern economy in the world. It's like, gosh, it's, it's a, <laughs> it's a bit of an oversight, as you said. <laughs> Right. It's just like, wait, what? We really missed yeah. that? That's a thing. I mean, the, the, and, and I got to say, it's super embarrassing that maternal health outcomes are lower now mm. than they were 10 years ago. That just strikes me as like, come on, like, we've got to figure that out. You always assume there's a march of progression. You always assume that these countries, our countries are kind of getting better and better and better. And it's like, oh, wow. It, you know, in some circumstances, don't feel, don't feel bad or shameful because in Australia here we've got our own whole bag of issues around gambling for example it's way terrible but whoa 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 whoa, whoa. oh yeah didn't you oh help me out well you, you don't okay so just so you don't feel bad nobody's storming your capital building <laughs> to put a wa- to put okay. a wager on the Kentucky Derby maybe <laughs> right well okay so you guys have a game so I thing? spent 10 years in your country high and mighty often with you at the pub going, oh, look at America, they've got a gun problem. Not totally Uh forgetting when we got home, my kids watching free-to-air TV, even going to watch the cricket and the rugby going, Dad, what's up with all these gambling apps, Sportsbet and Bet365? It is an epidemic, pandemic, a pandemic epidemic. We will have someone on the show. Let's do that because it- You guys are gambling crazy. Oh, oh, it's nuts. A a row of 20-year-olds? Oh, my God. Yeah, we'll get into that. We'll knock out your shame with my shame. It'll be shame for shame. Okay, 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 okay. So, okay, there's one little thing. I I know we're all over the place, but people count on nothing less. So- So there's this really piece of good news. Bring it. The good news is that in Oregon, we just passed legislation to require civics education. Oh, that's huge. Now, you, I know some of you listening to this right now are saying to yourself, well, wait a minute, you're not required to do any civics education? The answer is no. So the, the problem is, you know, it's so, so the next time you're wondering, like, how did people like take American flags while they were interrupting yeah. democracy? Like, well, that's why. I mean, come on. That's one of the reasons, at least. I mean, you know, they don't even know what it is, right? They, I mean, I, I've, I've talked to people about this before. and It's shocking what people mm. don't know about their own mm. country. And, and I'm, I, that's probably less so in Australia because you guys have, everybody gets this really like the same yeah. educational system big, all the yeah. time, right? So that's not how it works here. If, okay, that's just my thing. Let's get back to gambling. We, you're saying we have to do a whole separate show on this. It's probably five shows. We'll interview an addict. Oh, we'll interview the psychologist. It is an epidemic. I am curious. Is this the kind of thing where like people are like, I gambled away, like dad gambled away all mm-hmm. the money. And, and kids, and kids are gambling. So here's the thing though. Doesn't, I mean, is it, I, I, Okay, I, I'll just bite my tongue. It's another episode. I get it. <laughs> it's ma- it's more complicated than you think, but I just want you to, I'm trying to reassure you that you've got the guns and we've got the gambling and it's terrifying. Okay, all right. In other words, we're trading one thing for another. These social problems are incredible. Okay, so let's just talk about guns for a second. Just just for a second. I have this crazy idea, which is, I was looking this up. There was, there, we've had now more gun violence, like mass mm. shootings in this year than we've ever had, basically. Right. It just, the keep, number just keeps going up. There's basically, you know, one or two every right. day now. They're, they're, it's just happening all the time. And I don't I don't know if people have really figured this out yet. Because people had guns a long yeah. time ago. And there are mass shootings didn't occur that much. Mm-hmm. It's it's one thing. You can go, yeah, but we didn't have big, 
magazines mm-hmm. then, but you had a six shooter in 1865, yeah. right? And and if you shot six people at once, that's a mass yeah. shooting in America. Like that would get that would be yeah. counted as that. So I would I would just exp- if this is just the problem of having guns mm. everywhere, I would expect that this had been going on for mm. a really long time. There's something that's different now that didn't exist right. before. And I'm sure part of it has to do with guns, but part of it has to do with other things around human behavior and or mental health or or social media or who the hell knows. But somebody knows more than I about this. And I can tell you, it's not as simple as it's not. So, that, I mean, I saw something in the New York Times yesterday that said gun sales are up beyond what you'd ever believe. Like gun, gun sales are soaring. And I think it's a combo deal of mental health. Absolutely. Untreated mental health is an issue. Mm-hmm. And this is a weird psyche thing. But, you know, married to a Canadian and me being a convict here in Australia, you know, Canada was established where the British government came in and set up, set up settlements. And they and British people were invited, please come over here, here, have a settlement. And it was all very established. And in Australia, we were just sent down here because we're all thieves. Right, right. So at one point you broke out. And then then we broke out. Um, (laughs) um, So we're jailbreakers. But in America, I think that frontier mentality of live free or die, of land grab, of like there's something about that and then guns maybe. I don't know. It's very complicated. But yeah. if, as, as an outsider to America and speaking to other, like I've got friends in Japan and in Europe, they're like, no one understands it. It's like it's completely, like it's surreal. When Sandy Hook happened, I said, if there's no change in law, it will never change. When kids get gunned down. No, I mean, little yeah. kids, little, little, cute little kids that are the most innocent things in the world. And if you couldn't change never. it, then you're not going to change it. And I think a lot of people know that at this point. It probably means that the, the lobbies are that powerful. That's the element, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think you, can, you can't ignore that. That's a thing that's, that's a, a reality. And I'm sure, now that I think about it, gambling's got to have some of that. hundred percent. Because there's probably powerful interests who are like, you need to make it easier for people to gamble because I'd really like them to spend their gambling the money. The kicker is the government takes a piece of that revenue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They'll never change oh, that law. This is good. Oh, no. I can't wait to talk to you more about this. Okay. We got, it sounds like you got to line some people up. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. All right. Let's do that. Okay. Well, maybe we should transition this over to, to our next episode. Yeah, let's do it. Who, who, do, who do we have, Jason? Who do we have? Doug. Oh, we do. That's right. Friend We've of got... the lab? Friend of the lab. <laughs> Sorry. I forgot you were going to do that thing with the thing. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like crap. Oh, crap. I got to do it again. So, so Doug... Doug, I, many of you may remember Doug as the guest that we had on that explained why people believe in conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. And it is still, to this day, one of our most popular episodes. There is somebody listening to that episode somewhere mm-hmm. every day, more than one, right? So it's uh, it's been really powerful, and we thought it would be great to have him back on and to talk about the return to normal life or the returning or the process of returning mm-hmm. to normal life. Which is occurring in in America, at least. I don't want to speak for other parts of the world because I know it's not like that. But I mean, just as an example, Jason, I actually spent a lovely evening the other night with a bunch of friends, all completely vaccinated with the two weeks after, so you know, a second shot and all this. We got together for the first time in, you know, over Amazing. a year. And we all hung out and had a barbecue and watched some baseball on TV and laughed and had some drinks and shared stories. And, and uh, it was absolutely unbelievable. It's probably one of the best times I've ever had, right? It would have been normal before and it would have just been an everyday night. But but this time it was special. Did you talk about it? Did you talk about the strangeness of it? We did. We all talked about it. You want to know something that was kind of interesting? We all hugged each other kind of like uncomfortably long. Like, like what? Because it was the 
the first hug. Because even after we were we had seen each other with masks on and tried to like catch up and make sure that we're in, in each other's lives, we would. There's yeah, still yeah. this thing about like you don't nobody's touching anybody. But now that's so good. You can't if you can't get a good hug in now. You know. You know, and I think this is where America has actually lapped Australia. Like our vaccination rollout has been a disaster. Um, but I love the idea that you had a whole party and everyone had two jabs and they're just storming on. Gives us hope. Mm-hmm. So yep. Except for my buddy Peter because he had the J and J, so he had one jab. But you know, still he was a one jab guy. But he still had the the you know the full like four week. Thing. It's because it's like four weeks after yeah, yeah. for them. I think. So tell me, Doug's gonna be great? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we know because it's already done. <laughs> <laughs> we have been doing this in such a way that we haven't gotten a chance to thank people. Yes, we, we should. And we continue to have all sorts of fun with this. And we love getting your feedback and we love getting all of your support. It's been really, really great. So thanks to all of you. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining, joining us at the Recombobulator Lab with, with Chris Dominic, Dominic and Jason, Jason Graham Nye. Catch you next time. time.